folks, welcome to the Google's Podcast. That is the Bone Shaker, the Red Light King. He's uh, been cool enough to give us his soundtrack and use it for the, uh, the Goon Rules lifestyle. Today we've got a, a special guest. We're having some technical issues with uh, Marcus Torgerson, so we're going to go ahead and have Craig Cobb from Nature Reliance School hanging out here with us. Hey, it's not fair because uh, ultimately this guy, I learn multitudes and multitudes of stuff from this guy. He's my judo instructor. Uh, he is my go-to for anything bushcraft slash survival. Brother, the floor is yours. What is what is going on? In What's not world? fair? What are you saying? It's not fair. It's just not fair, man. It's just well, not because fair. I'm a manly man. A manly man. I am a toxic masculinity That's it. poster boy. That's what, dude. He was. <laughs> well, I tell you what, man. You are goon rules before goon rules was even goon rules. You know? Oh, maybe. Maybe. Um, folks, he uh. He operates out of Winchester, Kentucky. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Rob. It's always a pleasure to train with you. Uh, Rob's been saying I'm good things about me. Rob's been teaching me how to do stabby things and stick things and stuff like that. So it's always a pleasure. Iron sharpens iron, which yeah. I love. But yeah, I'm the director, owner of Nature Line School, headquartered here in Winchester, Kentucky, home of Double Star Blades and Double Star and all that kind of good stuff. So yeah. Uh, mutual love for things going on in this area and trying to do what we can to help people. Nature Reliance School is a organization I started in 2006. Primarily what we do is we teach people about the outdoors and the way that ends up happening is we do it through survival, tracking, land navigation, what we call nature immersion, which is basically naturalist training and stuff of that nature. And in general, we just do what we can to make sure that people feel and utilize the outdoors in a stewardship-minded way, in a way that they can enjoy it and get benefit from it, as well as take care of themselves. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Set a mouthful. Set a mouthful. Um, he is basically the go-to guy. Craig and I first met when we were, I was actually in Blade Show. And Craig came up, and I actually thought you were somebody else. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. I thought you were who'd somebody. You, who'd you think I was? There was another I bet he was good looking. Uh, I'd never Who met the cat. He was some dude that was talking to me via the Instagrams, and uh, I thought you were that guy. And he would happen to be out of Kentucky as well. So I was, he comes up, and I'm holy crap, it's so-and-so. And yeah, wow. Awesome. And then later on, I'm starting to say to myself, damn, I don't think that's who I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. That's funny. Yeah, I did not. I'm like, I don't know. This guy. Uh, so then later on, I uh, I pursued Craig and got him up here, and we just started talking. We talked for we talked periodically for a long period of time. Yeah, we did. Before yeah. we even started training with each other, we did. Um, we basically got to find, got to see, or determine whether we were actually going to be able to to go any further in anything more than just a casual relationship as sure. far as friends go. Right. Turns out, uh, Craig's my kind of people. We think alike. We think very much alike. This uh, alpha mind and being, uh, you know, you know, being all things alpha, um, taking care of your own business, taking care of your family. That's a, you know, we understood the actual definition of being an alpha, and and, and not the, not the um, the overly negative aspect of it. So. Right. I ended up finding out later on that Craig was a judo instructor, and I told him, I said, my ground game is crap. So, 
I started uh, training with Craig Judo as well, but a, a lot of uh, interesting conversations have come out of uh, our training sessions. I mean, martial arts or, or otherwise. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think one of the benefits of finding people of like mind and not that we agree on everything in the world, but we do sure do, do agree on a lot of stuff is it's good to find people like that because you find out that the stuff that's been rumbling around your head's not just in your head. It's in somebody else's head, too. Yeah. And I think it's good to one of the things I don't know how to say this, but one of the things that I try to impress upon people whether it's survival in my books on, on my podcast or wherever is that communication skills are vital. And I think one of the things that is missing, and I think it's one of the things that's this COVID pandemic situation that we're currently in is giving us a lot of trouble, which is, yeah, we might have time to talk with our own family members in our own house a little bit more maybe than we used to, which is good. I yeah. love that. But there's not that, time and i don't want to limit it to just a brotherhood there's not that time to get around like-minded men women or whoever and just hash out thoughts yeah and, and work through hey what do you think about this yeah and you know it's not it's quite frankly it's not the same doing it over zoom we've had meetings and, and i teach a lot of classes through zoom now and there's always a time where we have like a virtual campfire at the end of the at the end of the session where we sit and chat Ain't nothing like a real campfire no it's not a real campfire it's no. not and fortunately for the business that i'm in where people can be outdoors you know it doesn't matter if you're a republican democrat or libertarian it seems as if everybody agrees that being outdoors is okay so that's been beneficial for me yeah so my business has done really well in 2020 although i did shut everything down at the beginning of the year out of precaution and yeah. just trying to be a good-minded citizen without being overtly rude about it. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people that do what I do shut down what they do entirely. And I started adding classes again because the data is there to prove that being outdoors is actually good for you. And so that's been a benefit for me that I still get to do what it is that I do. And I've expanded upon it through Zoom and stuff of that nature. But to get back to my original intent of what I was saying is that getting to get on the mats with people and train and fight yeah martial arts style there's nothing like that in the world there's nothing like it where and i've said it for years but the most violent men and women for that matter that i know are some of the nicest people i know mm -hmm. because they it, it goes back to that old internet meme where you know johnny's looking at this guy and, and this big dude goes johnny you're not on the internet anymore and he's getting ready to crack a skull, right? This little meme. Yep. And I, that's what I love about the mats. That's what I've always loved about martial arts training is the humility that comes along with it. Getting, getting thrown, getting stabbed, getting hit in the face with a stick, whatever. When you didn't want to be. Yep. Realizing, eh, I, I messed that up pretty bad. And I think that's, I think we need that in our lives. I think our, we, I was making a post on social media yesterday, I think. One of the things that's missing is dirty, torn up, callous, bleeding, uh, dirt under the fingernails, hands. Yeah. You know, you have them. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it's just, it's not right that people don't get dirty anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say, but good farm work, good linemen. Yeah. Uh, people that build knives, people that build 
tool and die work, construction, construction markers, whatever, you know, surveyors, that. whatever. These guys and gals that do that type of work are the, the or what built this country and yeah. is that, that mindset and that sort of structure. And we need more of it and we all need to be closer to it. Whether we come to, to you and build a knife with you or something of that mm -hmm. nature, or you come to me and we go sit by a campfire and cut firewood and, and get blisters on a hand because we cut so much firewood. Yeah. Whatever, you know, we need to, we need to be doing more. And I think that that's an outlet. It's an outlet for all the stress and all the, all the negativity that's going on today. It's this idea, of, it you know, it's a, a way to get away from all that. Yeah. There's, you know, there's gyms and what have you, yeah. martial arts gyms, gyms where you go and lift weights. Those are good. I'm glad we have them because that's a good way of releasing stress. But back in the day, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't go to the gym and I was strong as an ox. Because I'd pick 100-pound bags of corn up and carry them over the feeder. And sometimes, you know, it was too muddy to put them on the tractor. And so I'd have to carry them through the field. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a hoss. And I'm, at the time, it sucked. But I'm very, very thankful that I was put in that position. Right. Yeah. Very thankful that I, that I was in a position where I had to work hard to get calloused hands. I've had calloused hands since I was 11 or 12 years old. Right. I, I haven't known any other way. And I'm thankful for that. It's... I have to say that there was a point in time when I was tell, talking to my wife about going back to farming because that's, I was raised on a produce farm. Right. And I told her, I said, one of the only things I ever regretted at that time in my life was that I wasn't able to raise my children, at least for a certain period of time like that. Oh, I'm the same way, man. And that lifestyle, because there's something about, there's something about, there's a simplicity, but there's an intensity to that lifestyle that I think most folks will never really know. Yeah, I'm teaching, I mean, for example, I was talking about with some of our students this week, We, I, I'm teaching a level two advanced survival course this weekend, right? And it, it, I learned a lot of what I know about survival by feeding cattle every day. Because yeah. it, the cattle, guess what, man? The cattle don't care. They got the eats and they yeah. got the drinks. Yep. And if you're, and when it's cold, and it's 10 below zero and it's sleeting rain and snowing, you got to get on the tractor and you got to get out there and get them taken care of or yep. they die. And yep. so that is one of them things where just being in the outdoors and I don't know how else to say it, but I say still, I, I try to teach a mindset of development on teaching people how to steal themselves up, get firm. S-T-E-E-L. Yeah, yeah. steal themselves. Get, I love that term. Get firm against what you know is getting ready to come. Yep. And I, and I do it all the time, and I realize that I'm doing. I, I I make a conscious effort to think about when I'm doing it now, where I'll, and then, you know, go on. I mean, you talk about faith based concepts too. Yeah. I had a, a a message that was preached to me a long time ago about Jesus, where one of the shortest. Uh, well, not one of the shortest, but one of the most important verses is that when they came after him in the garden, Jesus went out. Mm -hmm. You know, in Japanese martial arts, we call that irimi. You go to the attack. Yeah. You don't wait back. You go right in the freaking middle of it. So I've seen that in my faith. Yep. You know, I've seen that in martial arts, Japanese uh, martial arts, irimi, uh, entering in. And then just from a, just from a standpoint of being in the outdoors, just going. Yeah. I got to feed the cattle. Now, now I've just, I've got class this weekend. Man, I'd rather be in the bed, have a hot shower, have a toilet and all that stuff this weekend. I've been out there and proved myself. I don't have to do it. 
But as a leader of others, men and women, who are trying to better themselves by doing such things, I will be in the middle of them doing exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Because that's the way that I continue to, you know, grow, stay strong in what it is I'm doing and not get soft. And that's it. And that process, we've talked about it a number of times, this idea of, uh, you know, being soft or not being engaged or this, uh, the, the concept of struggle equals growth. Absolutely. If you're not struggling in some way, if you're not out experiencing something different that may be more difficult for you or may not be the ideal thing or like the ideal place that you want to find yourself at all the time, you're not growing. Right. You're not testing yourself. You're not expanding yourself. And that doesn't necessarily need to be physical. That could definitely be mental, emotional, spiritual. I mean, whatever. If you're not growing in that way, you're, if, well, if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. I got a, I got a great story about that. If you yeah. Want to hear it. Yeah. Shoot. It's a story. I, I mean, I read this. It's a, it's really a kid story, but that gone if it doesn't have relevancy to what it is that we're talking about right now. And this this kid saw a larvae of a butterfly on a bush out in front of his house, and he was looking at it, and he was fascinated by it. And he could tell that this thing was trying to come out of the cocoon, and and he was so fascinated by it, and he wanted to see the butterfly. He went ahead and helped it and assisted it out of the cocoon. He cut it open, and it fell out. And it never turned to anything. Couldn't fly. Mm. Because to build the strength that it needed to be able to fly and do what it was supposed to do, it had to fight its way out of that cocoon. That's where it built its strength. Right. And so the young man, the young child, thinking that I'm going to help it out, I want to see the butterfly, the end result over here was not what the butterfly needed. The butterfly eventually died, right? Because it didn't have that struggle. You and I are just like that. Yep. We need that struggle. We need to bleed. We need to sweat. We need to have a tooth knocked out every now and then. Um, we need to get bumps in our head. And, you know, maybe I'm sure, you know, the old judo mindset is after the age of 35, you start slowing down or at least not taking as many falls. Yeah, your perspective right? changes. And I get that because I did not do that and I suffered the consequences of it. My yeah. body just gave, there's some parts of my body that gave out because I kept taking falls up until I was 45, 46, 47 years old. And, and you can't do that. You've got to temper that. You've yeah. got to, you've got to, you got to be rational about it. And I wasn't very rational about it. But with that said, that doesn't mean you, you stop. Yeah. You know, the, the quickest way to die is just stop. That, that, uh, that word tempering. That's a, a, a solid word. I mean, I appreciate it because of the sure. creating blades, but it, it actually applies to us in life because I find myself like I could almost pinpoint that when that tempering process began. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. could literally put a finger on it and say, whoa, it started right around here. Right, right. And I think that uh, as you get older, you're able to look back and you're able to say, well, yeah, I'm a lot more meaner not meaner but maybe more ornery but i'm tempered in other ways like i find that now i'm less patient with adult people but with children i'm far more patient than i was when i first had my own children right i wasn't it's weird how that works i'm way 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 more tempered with children than i am when i first started having children of my own um and that's a and that's this this idea and this thing about that growth and and if you don't allow those things to happen, you don't allow those hardships, you don't allow those struggles, you don't accept that. There's a there's a concept, a Hebrew concept, and it may be spoken in English as well. It talks about don't don't curse your wilderness. Hmm. Don't curse that bad place that you're at, because there's a reason for it. 
you're trying to get somewhere else. And I think as America, as Americans, um, we're, we're down this path of where I think we've been coddled for several generations now, or maybe last couple decades, and it's not turning out. We're not getting the right, the, this, the correct, I'm going to just focus on men, the correct caliber that it's becoming less and less and less to find men that are, and this has got nothing to do with your profession. This has got nothing to do with your schooling. This has got nothing to do with any of those things. It's what makes you a man, what makes you able to steal yourself. Right. What does that mean? Do you, you know, makes the hair on my arm stand up when I think of the idea of the stealing yourself, like get your shit ready. Cause it's about to go down. So you might as well right. get ready. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember, uh, I've got two children. I was, my son used to go to a lot of the classes that I trained uh, people in. And I'll never forget we went to a class one time, and dude, it was miserable. It was miserable, and it wasn't going to do anything but be miserable for the whole weekend. It was one of those times where, and, and you've you've been there too, I'm sure, where you've got a group of people in front of you, and the last thing you want to do is teach these people because you think they're turds, okay? <laughs> but we had already driven seven hours, six hours to get to this location. Wow. It was raining hard, very, very hard. And, and the forecast was that it was going to rain like that for three days. And these guys had already paid their fee, and I'm there, and I remember it was miserable. There's some bad things happened. There was one guy in particular that was just a turd. And I'm looking at my son. He's like 12 or 13 at the time. And I'm like, I'm going to let you make the choice. You've got two choices. We can leave right now and I will go home with you. Or we can stay here, train these guys and spend the weekend out in the middle of this crap all weekend long. Your choice. I'm going to do whatever you want to do, leaving it up to you. That's a big decision for a 12 year old. Huge. And, he, and, and I said, I'm giving you 15 minutes to think about it. <laughs> so he went over, sat down, you know, was in, in the pouring rain, right? Yeah. And I'm looking at him and he's, he, you know, can you imagine being in that position? That's a bad position. He didn't want to disappoint me. He doesn't want to yeah, upset but me. but that's good. He knows this is my business. This is how I make a living. I'm going to have to give all this money back, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, what all the different things that I wanted him to be forced to consider. Yep. And he goes, I'm not going to learn a thing if, I, if we go home. Am I? And I'm like, no. But you're going to learn how to get tougher if we stay out here this weekend. He's like, steal yourself. Yeah. And he did. And that was that moment. The, probably one of the first times that he ever had to steal. Now, he was a judoka. So he, he did judo with me. So he had that suck, embrace the suck on the mat, yeah. right? But this is the first time where it was, all right, it's your choice now. And then I wanted him to live with his choice. And, you know, it did suck. I'm not going to lie. It sucked. The whole weekend sucked. But, you know, he got through it. We got through it. And we laugh about it now. There was right? some tempering that went on probably. No with that, doubt, man. brother. No doubt, man. It yeah. And that's the whole thing that we try to, this whole thing about men and alpha and all this, all this vernacular that's thrown around, the thing that's not taken into appreciation, this idea of stealing yourself and the idea of, of embracing the suck. I learned that from my army buddies. Right. And, uh. How many times in your life have you had to see an event coming? And I'm not even talking about martial arts. I'm not even talking about none of that mess. I'm talking life. I'm talking, honey, this right. just happened. Right. Or this is coming. Oh, it happened today, man. I mean, I'm talking, I mean, it, it's it's different, but it's similar. I had a situation where I'm, I'm writing a book. I've, I've written several books, and I'm writing another book right now. 
and it's it's with a publisher and me and, and I've learned after writing three other books at this point that I'm the writer it's my content and editors will direct me and guide me and I want them to because they know what sells so I want that I do want that but at the same time it's my content and you're not gonna jack around with my content yeah and so I told this editor today no I'm not doing that hmm. and I'm not gonna write that and no you're not gonna edit and say that those are my words because those are not my words and I'm when I'm when that sounds oh man he just man, man, man publish your writer man, man, man. well that if that goes away that's several thousand dollars that I'm saying no and that was my choice do I say no you're not gonna do that piss them off they cancel the contract I lose several thousand dollars maybe but I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have my name reputation on something my integrity is more important to me than some dollars amen and I think yeah, we've for forgotten sure. that I think we've forgotten that I mean for sure you know I don't think I don't know when to bring it up, Rob, but we can't ignore the fact that as we sit here and record this, people have stormed the Capitol. Yeah. And I was going to bring that up, but that segues the, that's folks. It's, uh, it is, we are now in January. Um, it's the sixth and Craig walks in when we're getting ready to record this and the Capitol has been stormed, um, by, Trump supporters. I don't, I don't know whether the I don't know what the caliber and magnitude of that is. VP um, has been having to be rushed. Out. He's had he was had to be rushed out. Um, so the situation politically, the weather is is very. There's a squall on the horizon, right? And there's so many things that go through both of our heads because him and I have sat in this in this building. You know, talking about war gaming and all kinds of very odd situations that can happen in this country. It's kind of sobering, though. It was it kind of surreal when you just walked in here and said that the Capitol's been stormed. Yeah, man. It's nobody, nobody that I'm, there's very few people that are engaged in, in the combative arts that want violence. No, I don't. I'm scared don't. to death of it. I don't want violence. I don't. And it, it hurts me to think that people have stormed the you know, storm the Capitol and that it could lead to violence. You know, just as I walked in the door before recording this, it was reported that some woman had been shot. Don't know if she's alive, dead or what have you. Don't I mean this literally while we're recording this, you all it's, it's very fluid. We don't know what's going on actually. But what we do know is that our country, and this goes back to what I think you were saying earlier, and please correct me if you think I'm off base here, is been soft for yeah. too long. And people are, and I'm not saying that I agree with what's happened at the Capitol. I'm just saying some people are actually standing up for their beliefs. I like that. Yes, I'm not absolutely. saying that the method they're going through by storming the Capitol is the way to do it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I approve of it or disapprove of it. But what I am saying is that I like seeing that people are standing up, no matter what side you're on. People stood up for their presidential candidate on all different sides. Yep. You know, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, it doesn't matter. Everybody's standing up again. I like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I would rather see us do it without violence. Yeah. Obviously. But at least people are standing up again. Yeah. Yeah, they're people. not laying down. Uh, I think it's, 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 it's without saying that it's been a long time coming. We, I mean, my first time really realizing that it was a certain way was when Obama got elected. 
and that was kind of a, a tough pill to swallow. Had you know more to do with the, the you know different agendas that come in line with all these different folks and all these different you know factions and divisions of our government. But the 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 where I seriously agree with you is is the fact that we've been kind of driven to this in a sense, or people, or the American public has allowed themselves to be driven to this place because not only that is is we've lost consciousness in the sense of being free thinkers. We've lost consciousness in open cognitive conversation and thought. We've lost consciousness of liberty. We've lost consciousness of, of realizing that you shouldn't be manipulated by elements of things that are around you. And we are very easily swayed. I mean, you can see, I watch it every day when you turn on the media. It's driving in a particular direction. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And that part is, that's, it's very nefarious in nature. You can tell how it is. Extremely nefarious in nature. Where there's, you could tell there's outside stimulus from all, all areas. And you don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but it's the truth. I think as Americans, my argument is, is don't, be, don't be so damn easy to be swayed. Yeah. Critical decision, critical critical decision making is out the window, and it has been a long time. Yeah, logic and reasoning and critical decision making are not taught in school anymore, as best I can tell, because it just seems like nobody has that skill set. It wasn't actually taught when I was in school, for that matter. Kind of life and learn. It, and if it and if it was, then I sure as heck wasn't pointed that direction by my parents, which I wish they would have. Yeah, and I definitely wasn't guided there by any guidance counselor or anything like that, or it wasn't required. It should be required yeah. to have logic and reasoning and critical decision making as part of a high school curriculum. Curriculum. It should. It should be. It should be required. Yeah, and it's just not. And it could be scaled too. It doesn't need to be no. a life or death situation, but it could definitely be scaled in. Exactly, and I, and I'm just seeing through this election on both sides, all three sides for that matter of politics that you know there has been a lack of that and we are seeing the fruits of that tree dying if you will it's funny that you use the tree analogy it's like everything i'm a tree nerd dude yeah everything goes back to trees for me yeah, yeah the tree of liberty <laughs> so it's yeah. it's one of those things that it's it's happening right before our our, our eyes but this is nothing new that happened today this has been happening for years, and yeah. we all saw it coming. Yeah, everybody knew this was coming. Uh, it wasn't Trump that made this happen. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Obama that made this happen. It's been happening a lot longer, and without a doubt, to go back to what you were saying, there's obviously players outside of our own country that are having a hand in you know what it is that we see, what it is that we hear, and we need to develop our ability to logically look at situations and read them, study them, and recognize you know. That's not right. Yep. I mean, it's ridiculous that the news media can make what happened in Portland be some sort of, you know, something like Star Wars. These rebels are doing good. Yeah. And then these Trump supporters uh, go over the fence, don't loot or burn at this time. There has not been any looting or burning of the Capitol. But every news source is showing them as if they're evil and they're trying to kill people. Yeah. It's, you know, and again, it's real early on. But the two ways that those situations were presented were in Portland. You had people that were bombing and burning buildings and destroying cars and shooting and killing, shooting at often and killing sometimes cops is ridiculous. That, that should be shut down now, now. But we just allowed it in this country.
Portland, Portland on its face is a failure in the sense that I, I would not have believed what I saw if I had not seen it. Yeah, exactly. I went out there, and here's the sad part. Folks, if you have never been to Portland, Oregon, it is probably one of the saddest chapters of this country because you walk into this city, it's you can see the beauty. I mean, this, this town is, is, you could see what it was right. once. I mean, absolutely beautiful town. I mean, if not for the riffraff that's going on there, I would love to stay longer. Mm-hmm. Just a beautiful, beautiful. It's as if you took San Francisco in its heyday, New York and Boston in their heyday, in their greatest era, in their greatest triumphant positions, put them together and then wrap them up into the Northwest, which is a beautiful piece of ground, period. Mm-hmm. And then you add to it all the rich history of logging in all Stumptown, which is one of the original towns is what it was called. You add all that, and then you see some of the people that are originally from there. Awesome folks. And it's just, it's a shame what's happened there. It's right. just, it's horrible. It's, it's, it, it should be a crime, you know, because you should be able to go to that city and enjoy everything that's there. The rich history, the food, the people, all that. Sure. But you can't. Right. You can't get by the nonsense and the riffraff that's, that, that's there. And, and I, I fear that, you know, if we don't, if we don't steal ourselves, right, we're going to be... We're going to be, if, if not, we're already on a track. Now, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine called me today. I can't say his name over, but he's a, uh, you know, he's in the, he's in the industry. He's in the podcast industry. And he was just going absolutely berserk. You know, he had gotten a phone call to where uh, a friend of his tried to take a flight. And apparently whatever flight, and I'm going to try to put a finger on this, whatever flight he took, they required him to have an app on his phone that certified that he had received the COVID vaccine. It's coming. And he is getting ready to do a piece in his podcast um, on this particular subject. Right. Because he has near experience with somebody. He's going to have this person on the podcast. And I just sit here and I'm like, we're watching the Tree of Liberty burn from several angles. And I can't help but think people like yourself with the skill sets that you have. Okay. I hate to go here. But let's talk about survival. Let's talk about right things and good things to do. And this doesn't just, everybody thinks about this and they look at the concept of, okay, well, I'm going to stow up 700 gallons of water and I'm going to keep right. all this stuff. It's actually, a, it, the more I've spoken to you, it's really a train of thought. It's, a, it's, it's how you think and perceive the world around you. It's no different than anything else. There, you can look at it from a creative perspective and an emotional perspective, or you can try to look at the science of it and break it down. Because I have an analytical mind and not a very creative mind. I always look at the science of it, literally. And that's why I always break it down. You know, for example, I always break survival down into what I call the four puzzle pieces of survival. Mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. There's so many people in the survival industry and the survival... Yeah, maybe the industry is the right word. Hmm. TV, celebrity types, and survival shows and all that stuff. They focus on two things. They focus on skills and they focus on gear. Skills being the fire building, shelter building, um, gear being storing up that water, having the right knife, having the right pack, and all the things that go along with it. That's stupid to focus on those two. Hmm. If you actually break down, and this is where I have a background in statistics, 
So I'm always looking at everything based upon statistics. How likely is it that you need to be able to know how to do this, build a fire, build a shelter, whatever? What, you know, somebody might die because of hypothermia because they couldn't build a fire, but what led to them being there in the first place? And it comes back to mindset. What did they do? Did their ego get involved? Were they not situationally aware? Were they not mindful of what was going around them? Those are the three things that are the first three chapters in my first book, you know, how to be more situational aware, how to have better mindset, yep. how to, you know, these things that are important because what we tend to see in the survival industry, if you will, the business of it is this, and that is people always, businesses appeal to the exception, not the rule because it stands out. And I expect the people that come to my school to be the smart ones to be the rule, not be the idiots that make all the mistakes. I teach them how to work through their mindset. Obviously, I teach them the skills, fire building, shelter building, how to use a knife properly so you don't get hurt, blah, 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 all that stuff. Tactics, the way I utilize tactics as a method of, methodology of teaching people is just basically how to work with others. So how do you communicate effectively? How do you determine who needs to be carrying this and who needs to be carrying that and who needs to communicate and be the leader and who needs to be the follower? And then, yeah, the gear where you have all these holes that come up in your preparedness or your readiness, whatever you want to call it, then buy a piece of gear that fixes it. For example, I'm not a flint napper. I cannot go out into the woods and make a flint knife. Therefore, I carry a knife. Mm -hmm. I've got to have that gear piece. You know, it's hard to find and make a way of filtering and cleaning water that could have bacterial contaminants in it without a modern filter. So I carry a modern filter with me, right? I'm, I find gear pieces that fix those things that I see that in my game, my survival game, I have holes. And so that's where the gear piece comes in. But what happens is, again, most people want to do skills and gear because they feel like if they buy enough stuff, well, they'll, they'll be okay. Well, that's not true. Yeah. It's not true. I mean, I, one, I have a story at the beginning of every chapter of all my books that illustrates the point of whatever that chapter is and says, okay, this is a story and this is why I'm teaching you what I'm teaching you, basically. And there's several in my first book where people died or experienced tragedy in a wilderness situation for lack of communication skills. Perfect example. Family goes in. This is a real, I'm not going to use any names, Real-life family, mom, dad, two kids, go on vacation in Colorado in the Rockies. Never been there before. They're from a big city. Can't remember where. They rent a Jeep, go up into the Rockies. Um, they've got a GPS device. They fail, fall victim to what I call death by GPS. They follow the GPS down an old logging road that's not an actual road. Okay? <laughs> End up going off the road getting stuck. So now they're stuck. Dad's wearing penny loafers and slacks. Crap. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh, <laughs> with not a daggone thing in the yeah. back of the Jeep. Nothing. So here's what happens. Mom, dad get an argument. You should have done this. You should have done that. You should have done this. You should have done that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Back and forth. And guess what happens? Dad decides he's going to be a hero. Leaves the Jeep. Going to walk to town. Dies from hypothermia. Golly. Mom and the kids stayed with the Jeep. Lived. Okay, so was it, did he die of hypothermia? Yes. If you look at the coroner's report, he died from hypothermia, but that's not what he died from. He lied, he died from a lack of communication with his bride. Yeah. So under the stress, 
can you communicate effectively with those in your group? If you're married, that's your wife and your kids, right? If you have children. If it's not, it's the people that are next door to you in the apartment. If you're in a cul-de-sac, it's the people that surround you in your neighborhood. If you're on a farm, it's the guy that's down the road from you. If you don't know how to communicate to those with those people, which we most of us have lost the ability, we don't even say hello to our neighbors anymore, nope. then we're screwed, dude. We are screwed. It's funny that you mentioned that too because there's so many, because again, almost all skills are perishable. Sure. Communication, if not practice, is a perishable skill. Exactly. It is a skill that can depreciate under pressure. Definitely. And we talk about that all the time in combatives. We sure. talk about this, de de you know, depletion of skill under pressure. It happens all the time. So there was a situation where a particular skill set was placed under stress, and it <laughs> it nose dive. It nose So that that idea. So folks, put that one in your cap. This idea of de depletion of skills under pressure does not just apply to combatives. It, it, it applies to mindset and any, any perishable skill, no matter what it is. Yeah, I mean, we, we did a, I have a podcast for Nature Alliance Media and Tracy Tremble, another instructor in Nature Alliance School. We went back, this is one of the first podcasts we did. I think it's like two or three. It's called How Not to Die or How to Prepare Not to Die or something. I can't remember what it is. But in that, Tracy put some really good notes together. He's fantastic. He's a very analytical person too, so we blend well together. But what he put together, I loved and you know this, I know this, when we might all call this something different. Mm -hmm. We called it practice, testing, and training, okay? If you get a piece of gear, for example, you get one of Rob's knives, you practice with it, right? You see, you know, the one that Hakeem designed, right? Yep. They take, somebody takes it out in the woods and they practice with it. And then they test with it. And when I say test, what I mean is you put it under stress. You, you drop a knife in the water or you go out and spend the night outdoors when your hands are cold. Does it still function the way you want it to? And then you train with it, meaning you put lots of hours into working through it. So get that them reps. Get, get them reps in. Get yep. those reps in. Practice, testing, and training. And they're different. They're not the same thing. And most of us, and I'm saying this lovingly, in the survival industry, take students through the practice and a little bit of the testing and most of the ways that i see that most people because we're sports minded here in this country mm -hmm. which is stupid in my mind yeah the way they test is they compete they put people head to head and that's beneficial I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that to a degree but yeah. you've got to teach people how to compete within themselves and outside influences that are not people okay I'm not talking about a SF team. I'm not talking about an ODA team that's kicking doors down or whoever. I'm not, you know, we they've got to deal with, you know, hand to hand and, and bang bang and pew pew yeah. people shooting at yeah. them, right? I get that. But there's a time where we have to learn how to steal ourselves, if that's what you want to call it, and at the very least learn how to breathe, freaking breathe under stress, because we don't. Yeah. We hold our breath, and when we hold our breath, we don't think clearly, and we don't think clearly, we make bad decisions. We just, it's, we're screwed. Dude. Yep. And so usually that gets into something called stress inoculation, whatever that looks like. And, and you do it some way with the people that you train and I do it with the people that I train, but all of us need to do something on our own. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a vital is learning how to deal with stress and breathe through it and, and be an effective 
guy that wields a knife. Being under stress. Under, under, under stress. stress. And that stress looks a bunch of different ways. It's not always just friendly competition between with another dude or another gal. Sometimes that looks like crap. You know, I mean, an example in point, when I was learning how to do bow drill fire making, for example, making uh, fires that way, I determined that I was going to build a fire one to two times a day, every day for a year. With a bow drill. With a bow drill. No matter what the fire, no matter what the temp was, no matter what the conditions were outside, I was going to go outside and I was going to make a bow drill fire. By the end of it, man, I would take my supplies and put them in a bucket of water and leave them there overnight. Get them out, make a fire. Okay? That's hardcore, bro. Now, listen to this. This is where I learned a lot about myself. This is a fail on my part, okay? It was then that I felt like, yeah, I can properly demonstrate this in front of people now. This is a long time ago, okay? And so I was asked to do it in front of a school, and I got in front of a school. Fail. Fail. Ego. Ego yeah. got in the way. I wanted to, and I think it was for good reason, I wanted to impress the kids not to be impressed with me, but I wanted them to like the idea of rubbing two sticks together. Yeah. So much that what, you know, some, some people would say I was attached to that too much. And I had to remove my attachment from that. I wasn't attached. And when I, when I removed my attachment to making the boulder of fire for those kids, I'd whip out a boulder of fire for kids whenever I wanted to now. Right? Wow. But, you know, ego, man. Ego gets in the way so often. That happens more often than not. You see it all the time in, uh, in the arts. You see it very often. In the, sure. The road to humility is, the road to relevance is paved on humility. No matter how you cut it, I agree. You know, the better, the more you. The, I hate to say this, because but the less. Sometimes the less you think of yourself is. It's a much easier road to walk down. Oh no doubt about no doubt about it. But I, I also would like to, on the flip side of that, say false humility is a problem. Yes, false then humility, it's an act. Yeah, that false humility is an issue, and there's a time where false humility or forced humility whichever mm -hmm. way you want to look at it does not allow you what i would say does not allow you to let your light shine mm. and sometimes your light shining my light shining brings people up and so it doesn't mean that i want to hey look at me and craig cottle i do this i do that but at the same time if i'm just totally forcing humility in front of a group of students then i don't bring them up and my goal as a teacher, as a leader, is to not be above people, but to bring people to me and let us all be on the same level together. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I haven't been on the path a little bit longer. And you know, when I'm saying that, I'm just talking on the path of like survival bushcraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've been in the woods 50 years. You know, I'm 51. I've been in I've been in the woods my whole life. So without a doubt, I have some things that I can share with people. But I, I want them to be on my level. I have a lot more fun that way. Yeah. I don't want to be the man. I want to be one of the men or women that are all doing good things together. And have fun. I like how you made that statement. It's no fun that way. No. We have a tendency of getting jammed up in situations, especially when, when you're talking serious stuff. Right. You know, when we're talking about, you know. Life or death. Life or death. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, there's a joke that, there's not a joke, but there's a statement that we, have, we use in, in FCS before we're going to start seminars. And it says, when learning how to kill safety first. So, <laughs> Every, everybody got all their safety gear. You got your glasses. Whatever you're going to wear, have it on, you right. know, because it, it kind of is like an icebreaker. Yeah. You know, to, let's kind of take this down a couple of levels and let's try to have fun as in, in the proper context. Sure. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. 
And I think that uh, a lot of times we as instructors and teachers can get caught up in the, in the greater idea of ourselves oh, yeah, and end up happen. completely and utterly off the rails, you know, and that's where you, and I, I, I've been humbled so many times. That's why you talk about failure. I've just, I embrace it a lot of times because it, it puts me back yeah, in a place to where you're real. You're like, you know, cause I remember we had a, a couple of times we've done some really large seminars and uh, there was a couple of guys that showed up. And we're not part of the group necessarily. You know, we're talking about 40, 50 guys jammed up in a room. And uh, some of these cats that showed up were mm, a little edgy. Right. And at one point in time, you could see where they're beginning to test the waters. Yeah. And yeah. one of the one of the instructors, senior, very senior instructor, walks up to the guy and he kind of goes up to him and he leans into him and he says, bro, you need to humble yourself. And the guy kind of looks at him like, what? Because you're in a room full of folks that will humble you. Yeah. And that, and I, and he, and I, I was close enough to overhear that conversation. I remember saying to myself, literally like putting myself in that cat's shoes and I'm sitting there and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Let that kind of. Yeah. Judo, we did the same thing, man. There yeah. People come in and they want to fight. They want to grapple. And, you know, UFC brought a lot of people into yeah. our training facility wanting to, to grapple. And I can't tell you how many times it would be either me or one of the seniors because we could handle ourselves without hurting people. Mm -hmm. But there were times where people got just too aggressive and they just needed to, they needed to get choked out unconscious. Yeah. And so that would happen from time to time. And that humbles you, man. When you wake up and you realize, man, this dude could have pulled my britches off. (laughs) He could have, he could have slapped me around, stabbed me, hit me, punched me, kicked me, beat me, but he didn't. You know, we just put you to ninety nine for a little while. I think Joe Rogan talks an awful lot about that. Yeah, it's it's typical of any BJJ or judo or any grappling yeah. facility. And the the cool thing is, if you come in humble, we'll give you everything that we got. But by God, if you get too rough, then we're going to armbar the snot out of you, or choke you unconscious, or throw you. You know, in judo, uh, we would you know we would throw you. There's a, here, uh, this is a good funny story for you. I had a, my facility in Winchester, we had a, a lot of people that would solicit sales because we were on Main Street in Winchester, Kentucky, right? And so everybody had no soliciting signs up and no soliciting down the road. And we had a sign that said, solicitors welcome. <laughs> Must accept 15-minute judo lesson in exchange for making your sale. Okay? And as soon as I put that sign up, we quit getting solicitors. They just wouldn't come in until one day <laughs> I'm in the back and I hear this guy say, Hey, I want to make my sales pitch to you. And I turn and look out the corner. This dude is like, to me, he looked like he was eight foot five. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was huge, huge. So I put a gi top on him. I slammed him, choked him, arm barred him for 15 minutes, man. Cause he didn't know what he was doing. He was just big. He was fighting me as hard as he could go, man. It was so funny. And then he was selling remote co- uh, remote controlled cars, little Jeeps. I bought one. There you go. Yeah, man. I mean, like, dude, that seems I fair. beat your ass for 15 minutes. I'm going to buy Bumble a car. Buy a car yeah. yeah, man. I bought one of his little cars. That seems fair. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny, man. So, yeah. That's. <laughs> I, just, I could just see that, though. I could just see. I could just see that. Because uh... you get a lot of guys that are going to walk by there and be like, hell no. I ain't going in there. Dude, he, he came in the door. He had to duck to come in. The, I don't know how tall this dude was. He was so like, he's a oh. big old fella. Oh, he had to weigh 350. He was huge. He <sighs> was huge. 
and I fought him and grappled him and, and choked him in our beds. It was funny, man. <laughs> After you're uh, done, you're kind of sitting there on the mat like, so, what you selling? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want one. Whatever it is. I'm Whatever buying. it is, I'm I'll take it. one. Be like, well, you can go in a chopstick or whatever. But, uh, well, where is it? Uh, where's Nature Reliance School going from here? What do you guys got planned for 2021? So, uh, we're going to do a lot of what we've done in the past, which is we do hands-on coursework. Most of what we've done in the past has been primarily three-day weekend courses. Last year, we added in one-day courses just because uh, it allows people that have livestock kids can't get away from the house or can't get away from whatever. They can come in and do a day-long class. Due to COVID-19, we added in Zoom coursework this past year as well. We kind of got going on a good pace in the fall. We're clicking on all cylinders right now. So our website, naturereliance.org, has got both our Zoom coursework, we call them live stream Zoom classes, our online coursework where you can study at your own pace. We've got one days and we've got multi-days. So that's a big part of what we're doing is expanding our Zoom reach. Um, we've been tasked uh, recently on a couple of things. Uh, we that we have not done much of. We've been doing a lot of corporate Zoom coursework where we live stream with corporate entities and just offer them a glimpse into something in the outdoors. You know, I mean, hmm. like one we're doing next week, we've, it's a, I can't say the name of the company, but there's 14 really high profile programmers from all over the country that work for this one company. And they do work for really big companies. Cool. Really well paid, really great company and we're getting together and we're just showing them hey this is how you can tell a tree's identification with the bud not the leaf because these are people that are banging around on computers all day long but they're so smart rob they know you know we need to do something else that's totally outside of our comfort zone hmm. that's what we were talking about earlier yeah. you know they're not going to be comfortable at all with me showing them a dog track and a cat track going which one's which yeah but I'm going to teach them and they're going to learn something that's totally outside of what they do. You know, very technical, really good programmers. That's a big part of what we're doing is this corporate uh, instructional. And then for whatever reason, my favorite subject in the world to teach man tracking has went, I've struggled to get people to come to a class for years just because nobody really sees the value in it. And now this year, good gravy. I'm going everywhere teaching man tracking really yeah uh, both military law enforcement private uh, civilians just i'll go anywhere tracking is my favorite subject to teach i love teaching everything that i teach i don't the stuff that i don't like to teach i don't i mean well yeah that's i mean you can't do what you love if you're doing that yeah and so i make sure that what i'm teaching i want to be teaching but with that said i'm, I'm a tracker yeah uh, and what that means is i'm not good at tracking yet i've only been doing it a few decades now Right. And so I want to continue. I was out this morning for two more hours studying some things. I do it several times a week like that. I have to. I'm a tracker. Not that that means that I'm a good tracker, just that trackers track. And so I love sharing that information with people. So we'll be doing more of that this year than we ever have before. And I'm really excited about it. Well, folks, he uh, he's an incredibly modest guy, but uh, Craig has written several books. Uh, I would urge all of you to get out and uh, have a look. Amazon? Yeah, Amazon's the best way. I mean, the thing that Amazon's a killer for writers. Uh, we don't make hardly any money. 
uh, at all. I haven't made any money on my books outside of the advance that the publishers sent me to write it. And so you have to have some sort of super incredible book to make much money after that. But what what Amazon does do is that it exposes people to who it is and what it is that I am. So I send everybody to Amazon. I don't sell my own books. I can't. I can't afford to. It's it's cheaper for people to go to Amazon and buy your book and buy my book than yeah. it is for you to come to a class and buy one from me. Right. Because the price that I pay is actually more than what you can get it for on Amazon. On Amazon. So I just okay. tell people to buy it there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So folks, if you want to learn more about, um, the list goes on and on. Man tracking, survival, bushcraft, and there's a huge difference between those two. We didn't even get involved with that. Um, and, and just this idea of taking on that mind of, of reliance and caring for yourself and being aware of everything that is around you. Uh, Craig Caudill is the man. I will tell you that he is the, uh, at least for me, he's my anchor when it comes to those particular subjects. Uh, but if you uh, want to learn more about that in the weeks to come, Craig, if you were going to leave everybody here with one thought coming in the weeks to come, give me a, give me a one word thought to give everybody out there if you were to leave them with one word no one word just one word can it be hyphenated word it can be hyphenated self-reliance self-reliance folks Craig can I get you on again whenever son I'm when, here baby we'll get out here again alright right on folks and uh, listen folks uh, welcome thank you for coming to the Goon Rules podcast always remember when violence knocks Goon Rules. If you got questions for us, if you've got comments, you want to learn more about what Craig's doing or any of the guests that we have here on the show, we need you to email us at whenviolencenoxgr at gmail.com. Again, whenviolencenoxgr at gmail.com. So, folks, thank you for joining the show. But again, you want to learn more about us? When Violence Knocks. GR at gmail.com. Thanks for joining the Goon Rules Podcast. I'm Philo. That's Craig Caudle from Nature Reliance School. And uh, we're going to leave you guys with Bone Shaker by Red Light King. If you guys haven't heard of him, get out there, check him out, check out his new album, check him out on Spotify. Red Light King. Y'all have a good one. Take care. And we